Hey, good morning, Life Church. Thank you once again for gathering with us. We're grateful for the opportunity to do this. Uh, in conjunction with that, uh, we are going to be meeting as an elder team uh, this coming week to decide the course of action for the rest of our calendar year. Uh, we have worked hard to be flexible and malleable with the changing dynamics and circumstances of this very unique season. But we, we feel like it's time to really set a course of action uh, and allow God's Spirit to encourage us to creativity within that course of action. So again, we just want to say thank you so much for all of your investment, both practically and financially, and, and all of your prayers as you have supported uh, the church and continue to be the church. And so we ask that you really lean into specifically that prayer as the elder team meets and discusses this week. Um, beginning September 13th, we're coming to the end of our current series. So on Sunday, September 13th, we're going to begin a new series, Imagination and Practice, because God has a different perspective and better ways. So we're looking forward to that. Let's dive into our current uh, series, Romans chapter 8. We've been working through, we're in the final two weeks of our series, Reset, A Divine Approach to Our Earthly Affairs. And just as I mentioned, this series, these conversations we're having have always been about us. Yeah, yeah we're having them uh, in a current moment that is Interesting to say the least, a rife with a pandemic, civil unrest, abuses of power, racial and economic inequality that have come back to the surface. But most of all, it has been about us. It's been about you and it's been about me. So let's read our passage again. And we've been working through Romans 8 verses 18 through 31, but just reading a couple instances and pulling them out for the sake of time. Romans 18, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Skip down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? Let's pray. Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would uh, just encourage us. We ask that you would mold us and shape us. Father, we pray once again for uh, our world. We ask that you would help our, our government, our leaders. We ask for healing both physically, emotionally. We just look to you. We announce that we look to heaven from whence our help comes from. And as we give you these moments now, again, we ask that you would just use them as we open up the scriptures Mold us, shape us, make us more into your image, God. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen. You know, if this type of a conversation is ever framed by a, a them theme, a view of one being on the outside of it as if there is some sort of abiding exemption to incessantly needing change, growth, and healing, what I'm talking about is redemption and reset, one needs to immediately reevaluate reality 
and really work hard to have a different assessment of self. This is about us. Reset a divine approach to our earthy affairs. When Jesus speaks to us in Mark chapter 2 and Luke 5 and says, hey, I didn't come for the well, but I came for the sick. He's talking about Christoph. He's talking about you. He's talking about all of us. He's talking about the brokenness that resides in each and every person on the planet. We have to be careful to not make that about a them theme. Well, they need to hear this or they need to understand that and not let it be inclusive, which is what God wants it to be. As we drive reset home, it's important to remind us how we got here. As we read this scripture for the consideration of the sufferings, suffering is not something that's meant to bring us down, but in the context of the kingdom of God, it is what reveals the glory in us. We talked about suffering and the productivity of such, that suffering is meant to produce something in us, that Romans 8, 28 reality that God works all together those things for good. Not that it's enjoyable, that it's influential towards productivity and fruitfulness. That pain is not a bad thing, but oftentimes a signal to draw us into an opportunity for growth, healing, and change. We talked about how hope isn't something wispy, but it is something heavy. As Hebrews talks about it being an anchor to our souls. Hope is something that will hold us down even when we want to be those who would run this way or or blown that way. The last few weeks in particular, we spoke about God's Holy Spirit, our beautiful guide to be who we never thought we could be. The Holy Spirit is critical for us to step into who God has intended for us to be. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Verse 31 stands as a fulcrum point situated between honest recognition and determined decision. Paul is speaking and he's building up towards verse 31 where he's kind of talking through the circumstances. Verse 31 stands, hey, what are we going to say to these things? And then launches into a beautiful just exposition of hope and, and moving forward. Verses 29 and 30 are what we're going to work through today. And these are the final ascent to that 31 declaration, that attractive uh, action of anarchy, as I like to call it. What then shall we say to these things? Because make no judgment otherwise than this. Jesus is absolutely concerned about speaking truth to power. He's about bringing up the downtrodden. He's about bringing healing to the broken. Jesus is not one who moves away from hurt or lets caste systems stay where they are. He works to bring change, to bring even, yes, anarchy to the power that's in control. The last two weeks of this reset conversation uh, turn on these final seven words and phrases that we're going to work through that, that fill a vocabulary box of sorts, which I mentioned last week. When one invests this vocabulary box appropriately, it helps us live outside the box that others and we ourselves put ourselves in. Today, we're going to work through verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
in the rabbinical schools of Paul's day would have been steeped in uh, predestination as we think of it today. Like we have this track and road for each of us that we're faithfully and kind of attracted to, like, like a gnat to the light, we're always going to kind of end up there. But that rabbinical tradition would not have denied individual responsibility a place at the table. It's not as if things just happen and we have no other recourse. Josephus, who's a contemporary of Paul, and I want to speak to Paul and Josephus's commentary on him in particular because this is who we're reading. Josephus writes this, They, the Pharisees, taught that everything is dependent upon fate and God, but yet the choice of right and wrong lay for the most part with the individual. One can rightly label such a statement and a commentary on Paul's theology as well as an exposition of Jesus as inconsistent, or we can awkwardly assess it as both and. Because he makes the statement that they taught everything was dependent upon fate and God, but at the same time, there was a sense of responsibility that laid with individuals, with you and I. Again, we can say, wow, that sounds inconsistent, or we can awkwardly assess and embrace the reality that it's, it's both, it's both and. The other day I was throwing batting practice to my 12-year-old Jude and I was commenting on his foot position and kind of how he needs to drive through the zone. And, and I made this statement to Jude. I said, hey, Jude, you, you need to stay tight, but just relax and get loose. And my son dropped the bat and he looked at me and said, well, which is it? Do you want me tight or do you want me loose? And I looked at him and I said, both. And we both kind of laughed and, and he understood what I was talking about. And so as we work through some of these things, understand a both and embracing of truth honestly, oftentimes, is the healthiest perspective that we can have rather than black and white, right and wrong, this way or that way. So let's work through our words, shall we? The first is for new. Uh, this comes from the original language prognosco. We've talked about gnosko from time to time because it's a, it's a term that Jesus and his followers use often in the Gospels. Gnosko means to know someone intimately. It's the Jewish term for as a man would know a, his wife. It's intimate. So the word prognosko comes from how you know someone intimately beforehand. Then the, there's the word predestined, pororizo, which means to limit in advance. I think it's important to always underscore that we want to understand Paul through Jesus rather than Jesus through Paul. Let me say that again. I think it's important to understand that we learn Paul through Jesus rather than learning Jesus through Paul. The foreknowing of scriptures and the predestination of our living God shown through the person of Jesus Christ does not make us robots. It doesn't relegate us to certain roads or pathways or decisions that we just have to make. They honestly and forthrightly make the emphatic statement that God is uniquely aware of us. God is willing always to move towards us. And God is waiting to receive us as we are. Again, if we understand Paul through Jesus, we can see this worked out in interactions that Jesus has. In John chapter 8, the woman who's caught in the midst of adultery is dragged before Jesus. And the Pharisees rightly want to throne her, stone her because that would be what she deserves according to the law. 
Jesus, of course, has a slightly different reading, slightly different version of how that should be worked out. And eventually grants her grace, grants all those who want to give her judgment, and grants all of them grace and says, go and sin no more. That woman's destiny wasn't to commit adultery, but God was there to welcome her in the moment and take her into a new moment. In Mark chapter 5, we see Jesus interrupted by a woman who has an issue of blood, by Jairus, whose daughter has health failing, and by the demoniac who's lost in the tombs. None of those people were destined to engage those things, but God was destined to be there to interrupt, intervene, and do a beautiful thing, bring healing, bring newness. Maybe one of the greatest moments that we all see is in Luke chapter 15. And this one's different than John 8 or Mark 5 because this doesn't really happen. Jesus is telling a story when he talks about the prodigal son. And why I weight this differently is because this isn't just something that Jesus happens upon. These are words that Jesus makes up. This is a story that Jesus is telling. The whole thing is the point. And what I want to draw into is this notion that foreknowing and predestined isn't something that just relegates us to a robotic living. The son wasn't relegated to make a decision to leave the father, but he was allowed to leave the father. The son wasn't relegated to the decision to come back to the father with full repentance and ask to be a servant, but that's what he did. We have the opportunity to make those choices and go those ways ourselves. What is more important to know is that the father was present looking for the son. The father ran out to meet the son. The father didn't ask for a, uh, an apology or even listen to the apology the son had prepared. He was too busy starting the party, restoring everything that the son had given up. Because for knowing and predestination, according to the scriptures, doesn't mean we just have to go in a way. It means that God is aware of us, that God knows our limitations, that God knows we are less than, and yet he runs to us and meets us right where we are. The next phrase, conformed to the image of his son. Conformed means to be fashioned like, and it's, it has a connotation of being altered from the outside in. Later in Romans chapter 12, there's a famous passage that talks about be ye not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we would be people as followers of Jesus that don't allow the world to shape us from the outside in, but we allow God's Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. But Paul is saying that we should allow ourselves to be conformed to the image of his son, that we should allow or lean into something from the outside in and let it change us into the image of his son. That, that hearkening back, that phrase image of his son would hearken us back. It's a Greek reference to the creation narrative of Genesis that we were made in the image of God, imago dei. The final phrase, firstborn among many brethren. Firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is God, and he also gives us a way to go. He is not just something out there. He is the one who walks before us. He's the one who is the way and makes a way for us to follow. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 says it like this, For because he, Jesus himself, has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. 
I'll never forget putting our kids on school buses when we did the, that kind of a thing. And Jude was starting middle school, but, and he was in sixth grade. And, but Asa was there with him in eighth grade and kind of showed him the ropes, showed him where to go, came alongside him. Jesus is better than an eighth grade brother. Can I get an amen? And he's with us. He's gone before us. He has been tempted. He has suffered. He knows what we are going through. And he has gone before us and shows us a way. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I want to read all of this passage. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I mean, do you think Paul is trying to make a point that Jesus can kind of handle it? He says in verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Again, we see that tinge, that honesty of suffering being a part of who Jesus is and who we are to enter into. Verse 21, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which had been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. God in the form of Jesus, made a way for us not just to receive, but to also go into ourselves. And suffering is a part of that. And it's allowing for that reset, that glory to be revealed in us in that process. I want to look at the crucifixion briefly as precedent and pattern for what I'm trying to convey and pull some practicals out of it for us. Now, let me be very clear. What Jesus accomplished on the cross was full and entire for every human who has ever walked the planet and whoever will walk the planet. Full and entire. What Jesus accomplished on the cross was full and entire in terms of everything anyone would ever need to find healing, to find a a first step into destiny, to find the ability to reset and allow oneself to be redeemed. That is the precedent. Full and entire. End of sentence, hard stop. At the same time, in the cross, in the cross, there is a pattern set forth for us to follow our Creator. Matthew 16, Jesus declares, hey, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. This cross, this this is not a need to do for the purpose of salvation. It's not like the cross of Jesus, triggering some type of earning mentality that we would graduate to be a better whatever, fill in the blank, but rather in entering into a further fulfillment of God's plan that includes every human, that, that makes us more than partakers of God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace, but rather makes us participants with Him. I think it's safe to say the crucifixion is the great reset. Divinity and earthiness coming together in a cataclysmic collision. 
So let's look at how Jesus handles the cross and the crucifixion versus how his disciples handled the cross and crucifixion. And if you're wondering, all of us hearing this today would fall into the category of disciples and how we normally handle crucifixion, those, those suffering moments. Jesus, in the Gospels, leans into that. He leans into the agony. He leans into the distress. He leans into the pain. He doesn't try to ignore it. He, he doesn't try to avoid it. He doesn't go on a Netflix binge to, to step away from it. He even refuses wine mixed with gall in the Gospels. Wine mixed with gall would have deadened his senses and made even that suffering a little bit less. Instead, Jesus approaches the suffering. I would submit to you, he even sits in it. He chooses to pray in the midst of it. He gives himself some necessary distance from other people. And I think that's instructive for those of us who just kind of go on with life and have people around us. He has the disciples with us or with him nearby, but he keeps them as a distance because only he, and here's an instructive point, only you can truly feel the suffering of what you are navigating in your circumstance, in this season, in your marriage, whatever it is you want to fill the blank in with. I got this quotation from an Episcopal priest friend of mine, from Catherine Meeks. She says, There's no need to pretend to be upbeat. There's no need to pretend to be peaceful. There's no need to pretend not to be weary, because owning it and confessing it and being present to it somehow gives us strength to keep putting one foot in front of the other. End quote. This is how Jesus handles suffering. The disciples, on the other hand, if you go back and read the Gospels, they do nothing but wonder and question and call it into question. They avoid, uh, they lie. No, 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 I'm not with Jesus. I'm not with Jesus. I don't know him. They try to escape. At the end of it, they completely scatter. They even fall asleep. And I don't mean to communicate that falling asleep physically is your problem when stress comes in, but oftentimes we fall asleep to our problems. We ignore them by just thinking of something else or going another direction. In fact, the most active engagement any of the disciples show is the violent act of cutting off another man's ear. It's recorded in all four Gospels. Luke's Gospel communicates that Jesus so rejects such an act, such a violent act, that he goes one further and doesn't just say that's wrong, but he heals the man's ear. Maybe we aren't violent physically, but perhaps we're violent with our words. We're violent with our posts. We're violent with our attitudes or our perspectives on other people that honestly, we might not really understand or know. And I would submit to you that Jesus might have a different opinion of how we handle that. So as I close today, I want to first and foremost give opportunity. If you're listening to this and you're hearing the ways of Jesus and what God offers, and you're saying, man, I, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know his voice. I, I don't invest my life in the scriptures. The first step for you is to know that God is uniquely aware of you. God in the form of Jesus Christ died on a cross so that he could begin a process of healing and reset for you to be who God always intended for you to be. 
If you're here and listening to this, I would be privileged to pray this prayer with you. It's a simple prayer, and it's not the end. It's a beautiful beginning. It's simply this. Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe you're tired of working by yourself and trying to make things happen and waiting for all of a sudden some cherub to come down and force the issue. God doesn't do that. He's waiting for you to allow yourself to be accepted by Him and then make you new and walk you into the newness that only He has for you. So if you be so bold as to pray that prayer with me, I'd love the privilege to do that. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love for you to reach out to us at Life Church. Uh, maybe someone that you're watching this with and come alongside you and, and really tell you about next steps about following Jesus. Second opportunity for all of us, that we would follow Jesus' handling of a reset of the crucifixion experience of suffering rather than the way of the disciples. Rather than handling the pandemic or difficult conversations of systemic racism or just inequality, economic, in every other way, shape, and form. Maybe in your marriage, your relationship with your kids or your jobs, maybe consider for a moment, are you handling it like the disciples handled that suffering experience? Or are you handling it the way Jesus handled his suffering experience? Let me leave you all with this benediction. May we cease all the avoidant pushback, the violence in our efforts and expressions. May we lean into the moment as well as awareness of God's presence with us. May we grow personally and grow what and whom has been planted around us. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. We love you so much. We look forward to being in touch with you soon.